Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. Yes, still being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, it's my thoughts on beer. Thanks for listening. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And before we get to tonight's topic of my thoughts on beer, here are a few additional thoughts. This past Saturday was the 20th anniversary of the tragic events in that tragic day of 9-11. Like most everybody over the age of 30, I have my own memory of that day. At the time I was living in Atlanta, our regional office was in Atlanta, it still is in Atlanta. And I was headed out of town, heading up into Knoxville, Tennessee for some afternoon meetings, but I had stopped by the office that Tuesday morning because we had just onboarded three new team members the previous day and they had three days of intense training before in front of them. They just wanted to make sure everything was good to go before I headed out of town. Right around 9am I walked through our break room only to see that one of the local, I'm sure it was a local daily morning network news show was showing that a plane had slammed into one of the World Trade Center towers. And all of us were speculating that it was probably just some wayward private jet prop plane from a local airport. And just a few minutes later, as we were all talking, staring at the TV, all of us saw the second plane slam into the second tower. And I remember this numbness falling over me as everything of that day began to unfold. At the time, we had a government office that was seated or located just off the edge of the Pentagon. They had fortunately had a bird's eye view of what was happening as well. And I don't recall if the school requested that the parents pick up their children. I had a daughter that was, I think in fifth grade, my son was in first grade. By mid-morning, uh, we had an edict from corporate that all corporate travel was to be terminated immediately. Of course, I canceled my Knoxville trip. I had several coworkers. One was stuck in Newark. The other one was in Baltimore. They were now struggling to get home, renting cars. I think one of the guys in Newark, it took them almost three days. I don't think they got home till that Friday. And everything was just a blur. The following year, I was in Thomasville, Georgia. It was Wednesday, September 11th, and Thomasville is a small town, probably about 30 miles north of the Georgia-Florida line, and right around 5.30 a.m., I was woken up by the hotel's alarm system blaring, and uh, I opened the drapes and saw that the hotel parking lot was filled with both police and fire trucks, and immediately my thoughts were, here we go again. Thankfully, the emergency was in response to a rogue smoke alarm or somebody smoking in a stairwell, but certainly not anything that anyone wants to start their day off, especially a year after such a tragic event. I've been to the 9-11 Memorial in New York. It is a very powerful uh, structure, a very powerful display. I don't think I will ever forget that day. I know there's certain certain things that I remember. I remember seeing the plume of smoke from the space shuttle when it exploded. I was coming up I-95. I remember the day when Reagan was shot, and this was certainly a day that will always be ingrained in my memories. Since we're focusing on beer tonight, here are a few beer slash alcohol airline updates. Southwest is pushing back its plans to resume selling or providing alcohol on flights 
after the recent increase in unruly passengers. And the airline has not yet determined the new dates for selling alcohol. This begs me to ask, what do I do with the handful of free Southwest drink coupons that will expire in the coming months? Again, I haven't been on a plane now and going on 18 months, so I don't know if those drink coupons are going to do me any good. And in May, we discussed that the president of the Flight Attendance Union reported that there were 477 incidents, incidents of misconduct by passengers on just Southwest planes between April 8th and May 15th. That's almost 13 misconduct incidents each and every day. And I'm sure that that number has increased in the past 90 days. Just weigh in or listen to any of the monthly crazy travel roundups and you will see that it is incident after incident after incident. But wait, there's more. There's always more. Back in June, American Airlines extended its suspension of alcohol services following the Southwest flight where a flight attendant had not one but two of their front teeth knocked out in, guess what? An alcohol-fueled incident. The airline, American Airlines, said the services will remain suspended through September 13th, which at the time that coincided with the end of the TSA mask mandate for all planes. So the plan was, way back in May, to plan for total bedlam on September 14th. And as you could well imagine, there is an update to that. American Airlines has now decided to suspend alcohol sales in the economy class until at least January of 2022. And like I said in the past, with American Airlines desperate for business, de desperate for revenue, they're dropping their prices. They now have become the new Spirit Airlines. And then, of course, to pile on even more, the FAA wants airport bars to stop selling alcohol to go. So while you can't get hammered necessarily at 30,000 feet, you can still stop by an airport bar and grab a to-go cup. And in case you're wondering, the FAA does have or has adopted a zero tolerance policy toward this sort of behavior, taking the strongest possible legal actions against violators. And we've talked about this many times. We've seen it in movies. We've seen it on TV. We even heard about it in podcasts. Plane drinking, drinking on a plane, drinking in the airport is absolutely romantic. But the truth of it is, it is not. And more often than not, you end up over-serving yourself and it becomes a total crash and burn. No pun intended. But have no fear, though. Even though you can't drink on a plane, like the FAA was warning about, most airline gates are within a mere two or three feet of a bar. Or most bars at the airport are within two or three feet of a boarding gate. So drink up, it'll just be on your dime and not the airlines. If you follow any of my social media postings or listen to any of the podcast episodes, you probably get the idea that I am a beer person, which you would be correct. And I was a beer person long before the current craft beer movement. And as I usually do when I'm recording on the road, I try to drink local. Tonight, since I am based out of Chateau Relaxo, I am drinking a hefty Diet Coke. Taking a break tonight. But growing up, my dad was a slits kind of guy. He'd cut the grass in his V-neck white t-shirt and long khaki pants. This was long before cargo shorts and athletic wear were way, way, way in the forefront. Nobody had white New Balance shoes. And he'd celebrate the completion of this Saturday chore with an ice cold slits. 
When we lived in Atlanta, this was during the 70s, he'd frequent Dallas, Texas on a very regular basis, and he would typically return with several six-packs of Coors. And in the 70s, for a variety of reasons, Coors wasn't sold east of the Mississippi, and I think it had to do with pasteurization or cooling or maybe just a really good marketing campaign. If you've ever seen the Smoking the Bandit movie, I think it was in the mid 80s, early 80s, but Smoking the Bandit is based on Coors limited distribution. Great movie with Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed as they go eastbound and down and grab a trailer truck full of Coors and bring it back. In the mid 70s, beer can collecting was all the rage. My friends and I would scour the roadside medians of South Florida, visit the construction sites, looking for various brands as well as different types of cans that we didn't have. There were the typical flat tops that required a church key or an actual can opener to open. There were cone tops and the current self-opening cans were just starting to hit the, the stage, so to speak. And many of these self-opening cans had different size openings to allow more beer and less air to hit your system or less air and more beer to hit your system a little bit quicker. And then there was also just a bunch of beer sold in glass bottles back then. And my first beer, and I remember this vividly, was a warm old style. It was during an eighth grade middle school car wash. One of my classmates was dating an older boy that worked at the Winn-Dixie, the same Winn-Dixie that we were using the water from to raise money at our car wash for an eighth grade trip or uniforms or who knows what, but this was like 1978, long before texting and cell phones. So this warm beer exchange was very complicated. It was a system of hand gestures, opening and closing of warehouse doors, several trips to a restroom by the classmates before our six pack of liquid gold was in our hands. And it was a giant six pack of suck. Warm beer always sucks. And I don't remember the details, but I'm guessing that we probably left four full warm cans of beer in the bushes. My next real beer that I recall was after a day of cutting grass. Working on the lawn service was my first job. It didn't involve busing a table or washing dishes. My boss was probably five or six years older than me. He was probably, I don't know, 23, 24 at the most. But he threw a cold beer to me after an exceptionally hot South Florida day of, of cutting grass, and the carbonation was almost too much to swallow. My first true night of drinking was 1980, and at the time, the legal drinking age in Florida, believe it or not, was 18. And if I recall, you could drive with an open container of beer if you were between the intercoastal waterway and the beach, which really encompassed A1A, one street. But at the time, yes, you could drink with an open container in the car. And the adventure went along the lines of this. And the names were changed, except for mine, to replace the innocent all these years later. But one evening, Bruce, Scott, and myself, all of us under the legal age of 18, we piled into Bruce's 1972 beige Pontiac with the slap shifter and headed for the infamous Fort Lauderdale Strip. Side note, as amazing as the Fort Lauderdale Strip was portrayed, and it was absolutely amazing, all the trouble came from the local kids. It was not the kids coming down from spring break or the college kids. It was truly all of us local kids causing all the issues. But back to our story, Bruce worked at another local grocery store and managed to grab a case of beer. Thankfully, this time it was cold. And I had never really drunk before this. And I swear at most, I drank eight, 
when in truth it was probably along the lines of three or four beers. Either way, I got hammered, as in stumbling down, drunk, hammered, and most of my sentences began with, listen, listen, listen. So myself and Scott had told our parents that we would be spending the night at Bruce's house. Bruce, on the other hand, never bothered to tell his parents to expect any sort of company that evening. Safe to say that two of us slept in Bruce's 1972 beige Pontiac while Bruce slept soundly in his own bed. The next morning, my head definitely paid for the night before. And as like most young people with their first induction into drinking, it hurt. Fast forward a few years, 1984, I rented my first apartment. It was a 600 foot, one bedroom galley kitchen, no central air, but it did have a couple pluses or the main plus that it was about three miles away from the beautiful Pompano beach. And I was 20 years old. Other than the stuff I took from my parents' house, I immediately added two things to my bachelor pad. It was a barbecue grill and my first set of beer glasses thus beginning my love affair with glassware. More on that later. The weekends were spent grilling in the complex's courtyard while throwing back Miller Lite. And in the 80s, there weren't many beer choices. And believe it or not, beer can be a bit confusing when you go for anything beyond the Budweiser, the Miller, the Corona. The reason, as in most things in life, that we or someone has decided to make it very confusing. I bet you didn't know there are no less than 11 main categories of beer. Yes, like I said, very confusing. The entry level is ale. It's a general category for beer. This is where your pale and your brown ales come from. This is actually where all beers come from. Ales ferment at a very warm temperature and for a very, very relatively short period of time. This is why home brewers like to brew ales. And they often start with ales as they enter into the home brewing world. Lagers, lagers are a bit of a newer style of beer. There are two key differences from ales. Lagers ferment for a longer time than ales do, and they also ferment at a cooler or lower temperature. Not sure that it makes them any better. It just makes them different. Next is your porters and your stouts. These are your very dark beers. I call them heavy beers, typically more of a black in color roasted malt you can actually smell a little bit of coffee with it this is where you start thinking about your guinnesses and some of your McAllisters and some of those heavier heavier beers blonde ale very easy to drink perfect for the summer very light with a blonde ale you get just a little bit of sweetness to it and then you get into more of your ales your brown ales where you'll have tastes of coconut and caramel and citrus and then of course a pale ale is a very English style ale, typically more of a copper color. If you ever remember Killian's red ale, that was a pale ale and it'll typically have a little bit more of a fruity scent. From there, you can move into your India pale ales or your IPAs or as the CEO calls them grapefruit beer. And originally an IPA was a British pale ale it was brewed with extra hops and those extra hops are what give it that bittering agent or that more of a group grapefruit taste but the thought behind it was that the beer was able to survive the long boat hauls to india without spoiling and that extra bit of hops does give it that bitter taste and depending on the style of hop used ipas can have what they call a fruit forward or a citrus flavor or you could even taste or smell a little bit of pine. 
We also have wheat beer, as I like to call it, a lawn beer, a very easy drinking light beer. Wheat beers are known for a very soft, smooth flavor, maybe a little bit of a hazy body to it. You'll get tastes of spices and citruses. Think about your Hefeweizen, uh, an unfiltered wheat. Typically, those are the more common styles that you'll see. There's also Pilsners. There, that's a subspecies of a lager. Pilsners are distinguished by they have a lot of water in them. So typically that is going to knock down the alcohol content. Pilsners are what you can typically drink most of the day. It's a perfect summertime beer if you're at the lake or at the beach. And then following up with sours. Uh, these are known, as the name says, for a very tart tang. They say this goes well with tropical fruits and spices and things like that. Uh, with sour beers, you'll find your lambacks. When you go to the store, you'll see a lot of strawberry lambacks. Most of these come from Belgium. Not a huge fan of sour beers. I've tried them. I've tried them made with cor coriander. I've had some with sea salt. Uh, just not my thing, but there are a ton of people that enjoy sour beers. So we've got our beers. We need something to hold them in, some sort of a vessel. There are at least 10 different styles of beer glasses. And the reason I say at least 10 is because I know that in the Chateau Relaxo bar area, we have at least 10 styles of beer glasses. And there is the typical common pint glass. This is what your local bar generally serves beer in. Very utilitarian, very thick, and you can get them with just about anything painted on the side. Harley logos, your monogram, even your local brewery. Here is a quick business tip. If owning a bar is on your bucket list, do not put your bar's logo on the glass. Go with the standard Budweiser or Miller logos. The reason, if you brand your glasses, you will find yourself spending a decent amount of your operating budget replacing your own home branded logo, branded bar, branded pint glasses due to people stealing them. Not many people steal Budweiser or Miller glasses. And we probably have, I don't know, 15 or 20 of these pint glasses here at Chateau Relaxo, but a good utilitarian glass for delivering beer to your throat. From there, you move on to the classic beer mug or the tankard. This is thicker, this is heavier, much heavier than a pint glass. If you find yourself in a bar fight and find that you are in need of a bit of an advantage, grab one of these by the handle and start swinging. We always have one or two of these in our garage beer fridge for when guests are here. The reason, because we want people to think we're fancy around here. I think they get pulled out once or twice a year at most. And of course, you can't leave out the beer stein. You can get one in Germany or you can get one here at Epcot. They're beautiful, but not very practical, except for the yearly Oktoberfest celebration. Just make sure to pair that beer stein with some schnitzel or some brats. And many of the beer glasses, believe it or not, support the whole form and function. For example, a Pilsner's glass is formed to allow your beer to stay carbonated, believe it or not, because what? Nobody wants warm beer and nobody certainly wants flat beer. Tulip glasses, they're designed with a belly in them that allows you to gently swirl your beer so you can get the aroma of what you're about to drink. Yes, and believe it or not, you will oftentimes get the hint of the aroma of beer. One of my favorite beers is the Sweetwater 420 strain and it's got some cannabis in it. And as soon as you pour it into a glass, you can actually smell that dank cannabis aroma. 
And then also you have flight glasses. So when you go to your local brewery, it can be a bit overwhelming. There may be a dozen of more beers on tap that they're offering, and you may not know what you really want to drink. And trying to find out 12 ounces at a time will lead to really bad decisions. So breweries offer up flights. They'll take three or four ounce pours and pour those different pours across five or six glasses, allowing you to sample what they have to offer without really getting hammered. A lot of people like to have beer flight parties. I know that when we travel, if several of us wind up in the same town, and if we have a little bit of planning or forethought, we'll actually all bring some beer and spend the evening down in the hotel lobby doing samplings and tastings. So if that sounds like a great idea and you want a set or two of flight classes, wait till the week after Christmas or Father's Day, go visit your local Coles, go into Dillard's, go to the men's section, and somewhere in there you will find a clearance table. And more than likely you will find a several sets of uh, beer flight glasses. Usually they come with a paddle, but they will be deeply, deeply discounted because for some reason, everybody thinks that's a great Father's Day gift or a great gift for dad on Christmas. Now, also, you can't forget novelty glasses. One of the big ones a few years ago was the Hop Side Down Glass. This was a double-walled acrylic, think Tervis tumbler, but the inside wall was molded into an upside-down beer bottle. There's also the boot glass. This is typically acrylic. There's not many glass boot glasses around. But it's molded into the shape of the boot. This usually does come out somewhere right around Oktoberfest as well. Then there's the yard glass. You have seen these. Go to New Orleans, go to the Renaissance Festival, go to some concerts. They look like a giant test tube and typically hold about 40 ounces of beer. So the hop side down glass, the boot, and the yard all look like they'd be great gifts for the beer enthusiast in your life. They are not. Most of the time, they end up in the donation pile for Goodwill or AmVets after you've used them at the most once. For me, my go-to glass style, and there's actually two. First is a mason jar, the classic mason jar like grandma used to use for canning, except these aren't the clear mason jars that they sell at Publix. These glasses are this beautiful translucent shade of blue and green, typically embossed with the jar company logo. I know I have five or six of them in the beer cabinet or the bar cabinet, and I've got some dating back all the way to the 1960s. These are easy to find at your local antique or thrift stores. Um, they're probably not any good for canning, but they're typically, again, just this very beautiful, very thick blue translucent glass. The other glass is a goblet or a snifter. So think of a squatty wine glass. I drink a lot of IPAs. I drink a lot of double IPAs and the goblets allow or the design of the goblets allow for the beer to really open up and breathe yes totally nerdy but you know when i look at beer it's one of the things that i do for enjoyment so i try to make the best of it that i can i'm not a power drinker i'm not doing funnels i'm not doing cake stands i'm usually having a beer at the end of the day so i truly want to enjoy it and that goblet or even the the mason jars is just a really nice way to kind of make it a little bit nicer the other wormhole that my love of beer has pulled me into is bottle openers. 40 years ago, I had two bottle openers. One was on my Swiss Army knife, and the other was on the side of my green metal Coleman cooler. But somehow over the past 20, year, 20 years, I've accumulated 
probably a hundred different bottle openers. I have one fashioned after the old green army man from my youth. I've got one that was a 40 caliber bullet in a former life. I've got a custom hand forged one made out of iron, one made out of a bicycle chain. I mean, there's no less than 20 of the classic speed openers that you see at bars or bartenders tend to carry. Uh, each of course emblazoned with a different company's logo and not one to ever call myself a trendsetter, but I was way ahead of my time on this trend. So much so that I actually stood up a website for it way back in 2011 and it is the shower beer enjoying an ice cold beer while you take a shower and extra points or extra enjoyment points if you take the shower after working in the hot yard but what kept me from going mainstream with my idea was that the website or the theme was a beer in the shower and not shower beer damn it a few additional items that i have thoughts on when it comes to beer Beer holsters, beer salt, and beer guzzling helmets. Those are those helmets where they have two beers attached to the side and you drink it through a straw. And I think the theory behind this is that you can drink without actually having to hold on to, to the beer, allowing you to do other important stuff like use a circular saw, light fireworks, shoot a gun, but all those things, the beer holsters, beer salt, and beer guzzling helmets are stupid and nobody wants any of those as a gift and they will also go into the aforementioned goodwill pile or the amvets or the vietnam vet pile beer koozies i rarely use them but i have a drawer full of them and koozies are great swag for companies to brand and give away that's why i have a drawer full of them and the reason that i don't use koozies is that i typically drink beer out of the glass and the reason i drink beer out of a glass is 30 or 40 years ago, beer cans were manufactured very differently than they are today. Or maybe I was manufactured differently, but all I could truly taste was the aluminum inside of the can. So I started drinking beer out of bottles and glasses, and it's just kind of stuck over the years. However, aluminum cans, like I said, have gotten much better. So I will occasionally crack open and drink a beer straight from the can. And Yeti beer can coosers, I have a couple of those. Those are actually pretty nice. It's just hard to have to unscrew it and put the beer in and, and re-screw it. Like I said, a lot of work, but again, I'm probably manufactured a little bit differently. Kegerators, another great idea for the home beer enthusiast. Why don't I have one then? Well, because having to drink 15 gallons of the same beer just doesn't appeal to me. Our, our weekend beer runs are typically centered around what we'll be doing or what we'll be cooking. For example, I love Cigar City High Lie IPA, but this is a 7% plus alcohol beer. And if I'm planning to spend the day in the yard, High Lie isn't what I'm gonna wanna be drinking, even if it's on tap in my own personal kegerator. The other thing is home beer brewing. I have a lot of friends that do this and I have a lot of them that do it really, really well, but it's not for me. I love hobbies that contain lots of details, which brewing beer does. I just don't have the patience to wait several weeks for a batch to ferment and process. And also there's no way to know that in five weeks I'll be in the mood for a lager or an IPA. So for me, it's just easier to make my beer runs on the weekend and get what I want. And when my friends share a bottle or two with me, I'm highly appreciative. 
When it comes to actual beers and breweries, here's my short list. Beers Hop Gun from Funky Buddha down in Oakland Park, Florida. The CEO and I watched as this small brewery launched, expanded, and then got purchased. I think they were bought by Constellation Brewing. Uh, it's a 7% APV. It's a great IPA. Uh, it's widely distributed, so it's not hard to find around here anymore. From there, I go to my Foster's Lager Oil Cans. Yep, you got it. This is that big Foster's Lager Oil Can. Don't judge me, but it's my favorite yard beer. Very light beer, very crisp. It's about a 5% APV. Sam Adams. You know, Sam Adams probably has one of the best marketing campaigns, and they really have a huge variety of beers. You don't really realize it until you get into Oh, something besides your local stop and rob convenience store. When you get to any of the liquor stores or some of the better grocery stores, you'll see it. Right now, one of my favorites is their Wicked Double. It's a very hazy, it's almost a grapefruit in appearance beer. Weighs in at a hefty 8.3 APV, so you're not going to be drinking a bunch of those and working in the yard. And like I had mentioned a minute ago, the Sweetwater 420 strain, this cannabis-infused IPA. And like I said, you can truly smell that dank smell when you open it. This is always in the beer fridge out in the garage. And I think it comes in right around 6% APV. Breweries, I've been to a lot of them. I miss that with not traveling. I don't get to spend as much time at the local breweries. But my favorite ones is Sweetwater, based out of Atlanta. This is tucked between downtown and Buckhead. And they offer the quintessential brewery experience. There's food. They've got brewery tours, there's entertainment, and of course, fresh cold beer. If you want a huge variety of beer or in beer, Sweetwater is the brewery to go to. Terrapin, this is another Georgia brew house. This one's up in Athens, and it offers a wide variety of beers as well. My favorite from Terrapin is our Hopsecutioner, a 7.3 APV IPA. And both Sweetwater and Terrapin are widely distributed, so more than likely you can find this in your local grocery store. And believe it or not, you'll find it on tap at many, many locations. And so I often talk about eating local and drinking local, and this next place puts checks in both of those boxes. It's Three Odd Guys here in Apopka. It's been opened probably about 18 months. I think they opened right as the pandemic hit. Perfect timing, right? Well, it's less than 10 minutes from Chateau Relaxo. They brew amazing beer. I love their Midnight Bike Ride, which is a double IPA at 8.3 APV. And there's always activities there. They have trivia several nights a week. There's food trucks. And almost every Friday is a Teacher Appreciation Friday. So if you want to expand your beer palette, most every single grocery stores will now allow you to build your own six-pack. So grab a ring or fill it with beers that you've never heard it, heard of or fill it with odd, cool looking labels that you've never seen before. Either way, it's a great way to expand your beer horizons. If you are Scrooge McDuck and up in the uh, Georgia area, they have a grocery store called Ingles and they sell the Build Your Six Pack for right around $9.99. And you could fill it with six Hopsecutioners or you could fill it with six of the same beer and that typical beer over the over in the six pack section would be $12. So you can actually save a couple bucks if you really want to. But again, build your own six pack. We do that all the time when we're traveling and we all meet up, we'll, we'll run out and, and get six or eight or 12 beers and split them between two or three or four of us. 
Well, that does it. That's my thoughts on beer. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, which there'll be a lot of beer pictures on this one, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. That's podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. Leave me a message on Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening.